a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon and welcome to the expanded Inside Sources. I'm happy to be with you for the next couple of hours. My name is Greg Scordis, and I'm filling in for Boyd Matheson. Uh, we have quite a show today and uh, a lot of topics. I'd like to talk about them individually, but rather than do that, I'm, I'd like to sort of dig into the first one right now. A lot of you remember the insurrection on January 6th and the, I guess, criticism that our Capitol's police department suffered as a result of that, um, whether they were understaffed or underprepared or whatnot. Uh, at for whatever reason, the uh, Congress has decided to expand the uh, Capitol Police, and that, that expansion is significant. Their budget is currently $600 million, which is a looks like about a 10% increase over the pr- previous year. Congress just passed a bill to up their budget to $2.5 billion, which is a 4 times increase. Um, we all know that they should have uh, had additional resources or additional preparation or whatever as a part of their uh, dealing with the January 6th insurrection. But I personally uh, deal, and my, a lot of you know that I'm a, a criminal defense attorney and former prosecutor, with a lot of federal police agencies, a lot of federal investigative agencies. I've sort of just taken some personal notes here a minute ago as I was preparing for this, that just agencies I've dealt with just in the last few months, uh, including the FBI, the Treasury Department, Secret Service, the Postal Inspectors, the United States Marshal Service, the NSA, National Security Agency, Department of Homeland Security, the CIA, the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency. Do we really need another federal investigative agency. And I'm happy to have with us today uh, Robbie Suave, who is a senior editor at Reason Magazine. He's the uh, author of Panic Attack, Young Radicals in the Age of Trump. And he also serves on the D.C. Advisory Committee to the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Uh, He enjoys writing about culture, politics, education, policy, criminal justice reform, television, and video games, which I wish we had time to get into. Robbie, thank you for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I'll, I'll sort of ask the question that I ended up with. Uh, what my own question was, do we need another uh, federal investigative agency police force? I certainly don't think so. Uh, I think uh, what the Capitol Police aspire to do, based on this kind of press release they put out 
um, suggesting that they were going to open offices in other states and become more of a surveillance-type agency, um, that sort of thing, right? We already have the FBI doing that, the NSA, um, the Secret Service, um, the, the Homeland Security. We have no shortage of federal, uh, large federal bureaucracies uh, handling things like this, uh, occasionally to the detriment of, of the American citizens because these agencies have been caught doing widespread uh, illegal surveillance and violating American civil liberties. So uh, why it, it, it totally it makes no sense to me that you would transform this agency that has a very clear and specific mandate to provide security for the Capitol building. I mean that's a you know it's a it's a security role and turn it into you know another with domestic spy agency. Why? That seems like the the downsides there could be tremendous and would not necessarily enhance anyone's safety. I, I, I have to imagine things fall through the cracks when there are so many different large, vast bureaucracies in charge with overlapping kind of investigation and watching and so forth. How much of this do you think is a, a knee-jerk reaction to the events that occurred on January 6th? I mean, it it occurs to me that the FBI is investigating that. Uh, the United States Attorney's Office, Justice Department, seems to have uh, already filed numerous charges. But um, is this just a uh, sort of overreaction to a once-in-a-lifetime event that happened at our at our nation's capital a couple of months ago? Yeah, I think it is. And I, I, I am not in any way downplaying uh, the horror of it. I live near the Capitol. I went there to cover the riot. Um, it is one of the most disturbing spectacles I have ever witnessed. I think charges are very appropriate for many of the people involved. Uh, it, it was bad, don't get me wrong. Um, I, I think it is unlikely to recur. I mean, it, 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 this is a black swan type event in my mind, this, where something you really couldn't have prepared for and is unlikely to happen again, you know, a, a, the sitting president, the former president, um, sort of egging on a lot of people to not maybe not do specifically this, but to, you know, be kind of inflamed. Um, I don't. Maybe you can argue there needs to be some additional funding for additional security measures. I tend to be skeptical of some of these security measures. I mean, many of the things put in place after 9/11, you know, the TSA. That we're still 20 years later, we still take off our shoes and our belts to fly, even though every study has shown that's totally pointless, like completely pointless, does not enhance safety whatsoever. So I tend to be a little skeptical of these things in general. But okay, fine. A narrow. You need more funding for more security for the building. That'd be one thing. You do not. Need need, um, you know, to, to transform it into something else, which I think is happening because, you know, in these political times, it has to be, well, you know, the, the, the patriots, the people marching on the Capitol, for Republicans are the good guys, for Democrats are the bad guys. And so, on the other hand, that means the pol- Capitol police force must are, are heroes for Democrats, villains for Republicans, and must be put on a pedestal kind of by the media, uh, etc., um, even though it's a, a scrambling of the usual line on this right, which is the police are bad, according to kind of Democrats on the left, uh, and et cetera. So it's, it, it shows you how, uh, how strongly <laughs> that certain political needs or tribal needs can override any like logic or consistency. That was very uh, interesting in, in your article I read. Uh, we have Robbie Suave on our uh, line today, that the bill was actually passed uh, unanimously uh, uh, against uh, uh, that is that there's the the Republicans voted unanimously opposing the bill and the Democrats were almost entirely in favor of it in in a in a case in a situation in our country when you'd think Democrats are more uh, 
in terms of uh, defunding the police. So thank you very much for your time today. When we come back after the next segment, we're going to talk about an issue that deals with our seniors today and, and those that are living on fixed incomes. How are they going to deal with taxes? How are they going to deal with these situations that come up? Uh, we'll be joined by State Senator Lincoln Fillmore. Stay tuned. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.